Welcome to the We as Citizens podcast. Here is your host, Christina Crowley. Welcome to the podcast. Today I have with me Archie Messersmith Bunting, known as the Feelings Guy. He champions mental health awareness worldwide at corporations and universities. He challenges people to rethink complicated and emotional topics like depression, suicide, alcohol, and drug addiction. Archie is a full-time speaker and a consultant, providing leadership, mental health, and alcohol, drug prevention, education for corporations and universities. Archie, please tell us a little bit about yourself. For sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, Yeah. So let's see. Let me try to keep this Reader's Digest version because we could be here until next Wednesday. Uh, But I I grew up in the South um, and I am gay. I think that's important to note that that I'm a gay. and because that's a that's a big part of my story, because when I grew up uh, in the um, you know uh, late 80s, early 90s, it wasn't OK to be gay. There was no I mean, in some parts of the country today, it's still not OK. But uh, back then, it just wasn't OK. Um, and so I grew up very uh, like pushing everything down. Um, I think it's ironic that I my specialty and my expertise today is feelings. And back in the day, I did anything but listen to my feelings. Um, so, uh, yeah, I grew up in the South and um, then it, uh, eventually became a performer. Um, that's what I was always good at, singing and dancing. And um, But then I lost that career to addiction. Uh, I became a very successful IV drug user and um, overdosed numerous times. Um, one of those times I woke up um, having been intubated. Uh, and then uh, eventually tried to take my life and life got bad, like bad, bad, bad. Um, and then I, you know, brick by brick, put it back together. And today I, um, I think I'm pretty well adjusted. I've never said that before, but I think I'm pretty well adjusted. <laughs> and um, I'm married, we have a son and um, I do this. I talk to my computer um, currently <laughs> um, multiple times a day now. Um, working with people all over the world on mental, mental wellness, um, self-care and teaching suicide prevention. So that is a two minute version of <laughs> the Archie uh, mini series. Wow. So it makes sense then that you became known as the feelings guy by pushing your feelings down. Is that kind of what made you come to that? Yeah. I mean, sort of, I mean, I, it, it actually was an accident uh, or, it, or it was a joke, as I think a lot of things in life sometimes seem to be. But um, I mean, I had been speaking professionally for over a decade, um, but I only in 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 the recent months. So in January of 2020, I decided let's start a business. I mean, because why not start a business in 2020? Right. Yeah. So I started a business uh, and, you know, things got really scary there for a while because, mm-hmm even though people should have been focusing on mental health, no one was hiring speakers and consultants, which I totally understand. People are trying to keep the lights on. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was, I was, I was doing this, uh, this media course uh, to learn how to pitch and present to, to media. And um, I was, you know, talking and people asked me questions and someone said, you should be like the feelings guy. I honestly don't even remember who said it. Cause I want to go back and say, thank you. Uh, but but it kind of resonated. And then I got online and looked and I was like, oh my gosh, that's not taken. Like the travel guy's taken and that this guy's taken. And so it, it became, um, it, it, and it sort of all kind of morphed at the same time because the reason I was talking so much about feelings was because I realized for me personally that after 
over a decade struggling with addiction, and then finally getting my mental illness um, sort of in check, that I still wasn't waking up most days happy. And I was like, what in the world? Like, I did not get sober to be miserable. Um, and I realized that for me, it was this missing component of leaning in, listening to feelings. And that, that led me on this huge journey to learn all I could about feelings and how misunderstood they are. And so that sort of got to the place I am today. Yeah, that's really interesting because when it comes to men, in our society, what is emphasized is the physical toughness mm-hmm. over any kind of sensitivity mm-hmm. uh, and the need to dominate over ability to love and care for others. And how did that figure into your own personal journey? And mm-hmm. how does that figure into anybody's, or even especially men's, mm-hmm. uh, depression, suicide, the alcohol, the drug addiction? We can just talk about men. I guess people, if people listening, maybe who you aren't gay, you're like, well, aren't, aren't gay dudes more in touch with their feelings? Uh, no, not unless we were raised that way, you know, and I, I definitely wasn't raised. Um, but, but when I was growing up, no one was like, you just didn't do feelings. Um, and I can't tell you how many, how many, uh, men, whether that be in a corporate setting in a high school setting at a college retreat, like, dude, I don't do feelings. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you do. And if you don't do the feelings and the feelings are going to do you like that, yeah. this is just, this is just facts, but we're not taught about feelings. And so, uh, you know, a couple of months into the pandemic, I was leading a program and it, this just kind of came out, but then it, I realized how true it was, especially for men, there's not a dumbbell in the world heavy enough for you to lift away your hurt. There's not a barbell in the world heavy enough for you to push your feelings away. So what what I think we began to see all across America, when gyms shut down, men began to panic because they had been lifting and pushing and literally running on treadmills from their feelings since high school. If they played sports in high school, they all went to the gym. They found that was a good release. And we actually, we actually teach that we teach it as a good, it is, but it is not a substitute for listening to your feelings. And that was what I was finding was that men all over the country had been doing. And when the gyms were closed, it was almost like they were jonesing for the gym. Like, like I, why can't I get back in there? But you can't lift your feelings away. That's not the way the body works. So I think for all men and, and really for all humans, but like men specifically, um, we have got to learn that it is not just okay to feel it's expected. Like you are supposed to have feelings. You're supposed to have happiness and sadness and anger and fear. And like all those things are supposed to happen, but we are taught and society teaches us that that is not what being a man is about. That being a man is like having it together and being strong and being like resilient and tough. Okay. You can be tough and still have feelings. Like I actually trust someone more when I see something there. When I just see this like stoic brick, I'm like, oh gosh, like, you know, what is coming at me now? But if I, mm-hmm. if someone leads with feelings, that's, that's what I call it today, leading with feelings, then it's just a totally different experience. And, and we've all had that experience. We've all had the experience of like talking to a, a like turnip 
and then talking to someone with feelings. It's just totally different. And so if you're listening out there and you're the turnip and you're like, okay, I'm kind of offended. You don't have to be a turnip. Like you can, you can learn, you can learn these things called feelings. And here's, let me give you, let me give you a little free, a little freebie here. There is no such thing as a good feeling and a bad feeling, a positive feeling. And we assign meanings to feelings. The feeling that you get, um, like, like if you get scared suddenly, that startle feeling, that actually is the same feeling internally that your body produces when you get really good news. Like the mechanics of the inside of your body, it's exactly the same. We just assign positive, negative, or like happy and scary meanings to it. And so if you learn that, like, like I always think of um, Glenda, the good witch, are you a good witch or are you a bad witch? Like I always like, are you a good feeling or a bad feeling? I'm not, I'm just a feeling. And so I, I think that once you learn that, there's some power in that to be like, okay, what is my body trying to tell me? Okay. And sometimes if it's fear, because fear is a fear is an emotion and feeling we all have, like you can just be like, yes, fear, I see you. I'm going to put you in the passenger seat today. I'm still going to do this thing. I want to keep you here because fear can help keep us safe. But like I fear you're not driving today. So it's, it, it's just simple things that I think that if we would start teaching this stuff sooner, like, I, I mean, I'm sure both of us, we learned the four food groups and like, where do the vegetables go and where did this go? And, you know, but we didn't learn about like emotions and feelings. And so if we just did this sooner, I feel like we're playing catch up now. And that's sort of the space that I'm in now. I'm kind of like the catch up space. That's kind of funny catch up. Like I'm kind of in the, <laughs> I'm kind of helping people catch up um, talking about feelings. I, I agree with you. I do think that, you know, I, as a woman, I have any number of female friends and even male friends that I could call up and I can just, I can just let people know what I'm feeling. And um, I know for men, it, it is different. I grew up in a mining town in Montana and um, I grew up, we're probably close to the same age. Yeah, we probably are. Yeah. You did not talk about your feelings, oh. men or women. I mean, that, that really was the town, even though it's easier now because I moved away from there and went to college and I did things and I do have a theater background. So I've seen a lot of different sides of it. And I agree with what you're saying about we assign interpretations to feelings. I forget that. I totally forget mm-hmm. that. But because I want to avoid the negative assignment of an interpretation of a feeling that I have, I want to avoid that. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I, I so what I don't want people to hear from this is I am not suggesting um, toxic positivity, toxic happiness. I'm not suggesting that you manifest a feeling that's not there just because for some reason we're all supposed to be happy all the time. Yeah. That is not what I'm suggesting. It, what, actually, what I, what I really would love for you to do is I would love for you to grieve. That's what I would love for you to do. Unless, I mean, I have talked to thousands of people since the pandemic started. Not one of them, their life looks like it looked last February. So if, if you happen to be the one human being on the planet, please reach out to me so that I can stop using this analogy. But it's just not, it's not possible. Like every one of our lives in some way look different. But the reason I want you to grieve is because I know how detrimental it is to not grieve. Until I grieved for the loss of my performing career, even though I did it to myself, I'm the one that put the needle in my arm. I'm the one that chose to use the drugs. I'm the one that like 
blew up a, a very successful career that I had, I still had to stop and grieve for that because what I was finding was like anytime, I mean, I still have friends that, well, I mean, no one's on Broadway right now, but you know, they were on Broadway when the pandemic happened and they'll be on Broadway again. And, you know, you know, when I watched the Tony awards, for those of you that don't know what that is, that's like the Super Bowl <laughs> of, of, of oh, theater. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would see people that I know and, yeah. and that was painful. And so I had to stop and grieve for the loss. I experienced a loss, even if it's a loss that I, that was self-inflicted. That is what grief is. Mm -hmm. It is, it is taking time to process a loss. We have all had a loss and some of us have had multiple losses. And if we do not stop as a society and as individuals and deal with this, we have a mental health crisis coming. That, and, and listen, I, okay. I also believe in science. I should point that out. So like I, I, you know, I listened to the doctors and, you know, I got my first vaccine shot. Okay. So that's me personally. So some people are like, I'm done with this guy, but whatever, you know, I'm talking. <laughs> so um, it, I, I understand why we are all focused on or focused on, we should be like, we are focused. I, I kind of use the analogy of a dragon. Like right now we are focused on the head of the dragon as we should be because the teeth and the fire or what is killing us right now, the COVID like uh, coronavirus is what, but the tail is coming. And just when everyone thinks we all got our shots, we're good to go. That tail is going to come whapping around. And that is people's mental health. If we are not focusing on that. And, and that is why I do this work today. And that is why I, people call and they say, okay, there's a, a, a client today. They were like, well, this is in China. And so it's going to be really early. And I'm like, Okay, well, let's do it, you know, because people are hurting. It doesn't matter where they are. So that, that's why I do this. Yeah, it is a global thing. It's good that you bring up the pandemic because what I've noticed amongst uh, family, friends, myself, is that it brings up this myriad of feelings that, uh, you know, and I've noticed with some people that if you were happy with your life, you're doing better than if you were unhappy with your life and staying busy, uh, kind of pushing down that I'm unhappy with my life. I can stay busy and, and keep going forward. So the thought of that mental health crisis coming around when we think we could get back to normal life, uh, you know, it is, it is a crisis. Yeah. 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 You know um, so I, I did um, I did a ton of programs in April and May of last year for free uh, because people were just hurting. And so I created this program called um, you can't wash your anxiety away in 20 seconds. Because it was at that point we learned that if you wash your hands with warm soapy water for 20 seconds, you will kill the coronavirus. Okay. And so I was sitting on my couch when these commercials were happening because you know, we were all staying inside all the time. Yep. And, I, yep. and I thought, wow, wouldn't it be, it, wouldn't that be great if that was it, that simple with anxiety? And so what I started telling people was that like, when you're really busy, like you just talked about, when you're really busy, we, we can, it's just like the dumbbell thing. It is really easy to ignore and like, okay, I'll, I'll deal with that feeling later. But in March and April, we all slammed to a stop. Yeah. And when you're not going anywhere anymore, all that stuff begins to come up. And I mean, and literally I could like picture people in my mind just being like, <gasps> like, like trying to keep it down. And, it, and it's not. So I, I have tried very much to find the good in uh, like I, I saw someone say the other day that was like, I don't want to, I don't want to watch a single reality TV show that was filmed going into the COVID. And I agree. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see movies. Like I don't, 
you know, there's not a lot of movies about the, you know, the, the influenza of like 19, whatever it was, there's a reason like, we don't, I don't want to see this again. Um, but I do think that the focus that this has brought to mental health, Mm -hmm. um, has got to be positive. We've got to see that as a positive thing, but then we have to do something about it. And it's, it's the action that I want people to start taking now as well. Is the crisis that we were in last year and the crisis that's coming, is it kind of the same thing or is it different? And, and if it is different, how do you go about dealing with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's like any natural, I mean, it's like a natural disaster, right? Like, so there's the initial like thing. Um, and then like, there are all the pieces that fall from it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that probably in April or May of last year, we were in this, like, if we're talking about mental health, we were talking about the, like, the realization that we have a problem among amongst us. And so I think we're kind of in like maybe a couple of boats now, people that are like just determined that like life is going to be normal again. And if you can't see me, I'm doing air quotes because <laughs> friends, normal doesn't exist anymore. Um, we're a pickle. Our society is a pickle. We're never going to be a cucumber ever again. So until we have some consistency to our days, there is no normal. So actually this searching for this new normal is a way that you are giving yourself anxiety. This is in my opinion. This is a lived experience, but also fact. So I think now we're also kind of like the other boat of people is like, okay, we have this problem. Now, what are we going to do about it? And I think that's where people like, like me come into play because um, on our, on our college campuses on our high school campuses, yeah. I'm, I'm doing a um, couple corporate presentations this week and there, the resources are strapped. Like we weren't actually created. Society wasn't created to deal with this much mental health need. Um, so people like me, um, I consider myself a helper. People in the helper space are trying to fill that void uh, because for some people, you know, coming to one of my programs and getting, you know, here are six tips for this and four tips for this and a realization. Okay, I can go and do this. Other people need professional help, professional one-on-one help. And so having all of those things available to people, I think is helpful. Yeah, definitely. Do you consider like the coronavirus, do you equate that anywhere with what we went through in 9-11 with things are never going to be the same again? Yeah, it's on a, a much grander question. scale. Um, and I've actually been asked because I lived in New York City at the time. Um, and I think, I think what has made me very sad about where we are right now. In New York City, after 9-11, I mean, I mean, there was so much shock. There was so much sadness. The sadness lasted for year, you know, for years. I was there for a while afterwards, but it took a very long time for for people just to start going about their life again. the The tapestry of the city was just forever changed, and the the like. We're all in this together. Lasted for much longer than it did as a country. Now. There has been there's a lot of research being done right now because the only time we've been able to uh, um, to research disaster grief there's a name for it is after something like 9/11 or usually it's after a hurricane or a tornado or like a natural disaster. So we've never in our lifetime seen something that has affected so many people and impacted them in such great and grave ways. So. The good, I mean, I guess the good news, again, trying to find the positive here, is we're going to have a ton of research on what it looks like for a society to begin to rebound. Notice I didn't say return to normal again. Mm-hmm. Um, after 
after an event like the coronavirus. What's sad to me is that we went from we're all in this together to this is a hoax and I'm going to get mine so quickly. Now, I have some opinions as to why that happened, but that's my opinion and we can save that for a political podcast. Um, but regardless, here we are. And um, I mean, I, I am connected to people who still think that it is just a government hoax and like it didn't. Ha- and I'm, and I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I wish you well. And some people are like, well, that's very, that's very closed minded of you. No, it's not. I am protecting my self care because I can't get wrapped up in what I consider to be your insanity and still help other people. Notice I'm very careful about the word choice here. Cause I'm not trying, I'm not calling people insane, but like I perceive that to be insanity. So I, I, I just can't, I can't do it anymore. And um, I, I, I'm choosing to live in what I believe is the reality. Yeah. And I would just want to keep helping people. And I, yeah, and I understand that. I, I get what you're saying. Is it just their way of coping? Or do you think they really believe it? I, I really do. I, I think that, I don't know. I don't know any other way. I mean, it is a, it is a personal belief. People have tried to equate this to the well, people don't get their kids vaccinated because of autism. And I'm like, we are this, we're, this is yeah. like, can we stop yeah. trying to compare apples and oranges? Yeah. Like Cause that is different. It's just not, it's just yeah. not because, and, and I, and I mean this with all like compassion because I have, you know, now as a parent, you know, I have, I have friends who they're, they're children on the spectrum. So I say this with all compassion, but like, you can't catch autism. Like I can't give you autism and then it affect you negatively, not even just catching it, but like it could have. So I'm just like, can we just, can we stop doing yeah. apples and oranges? Like, it's just not helpful. And I mean, so much, so much of this, you know, the, the political circus, social mm-hmm. media, there's just so much, but I mean, families have been greatly impacted by this. Oh yeah. Um, I don't say this lightly, but it's almost sometimes like a North and a South thing. Yeah. Like it's, it's literally that divisive. It really is. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't necessarily mean like truly physical. I'm talking about like, if, if we're just going to, if we're going to find a comparison to our history, yeah. we're almost back to that where, where there, 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 there are parts of families that like aren't speaking because no, like this is the, no, this is the thing. So yeah, it's, um, it's, so it is, so it's it's more than people's just coping probably because I guess if they were just coping eventually they'd come around. I had COVID very early on. I had COVID in February last year. <laughs> I do have some really strong feelings about that, and I was very very sick. It was really horrible, and so for me oh. seeing what happened later on, for I, I was I was I was quite the angry woman for a lot of months because because it was just hard and it was. One, it was what I went through. The other, it was, uh, are we ever going to get through this so life can go back to the new normal? And uh, so I, and I, and I saw that with a lot of people and a lot of people that I communicate with. That is the the mental health part. But do you think that because you do talk about addiction too? Obviously, there's been a rise in both in in the mental health yeah. crisis yeah. and in addiction. So here's the honest truth. If, if you're an alcohol distributor, you should be very happy. I mean, because alcohol sales have like increased by like, you know, like 20,000% or something out of some crazy number. Yeah. Um, 
and, and you know, because I'm very open about the fact that I am a recovering addict. Um, I, I, I had, I mean, I had a lot, like a lot of people reach out and say, you know, I realized I've been drinking a lot more. Do you think that's a problem? And I'm like, well, do you think it's a problem? I mean, like, you know, yeah. like, can you just stop? Cause if you can just stop, then maybe you're okay. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think that we're going to see a, a rise in people seeking help after this, uh, after this experience, um, you know, because a lot of people, um, so I believe that addiction is a disease. I believe that alcoholism is a gene. Like I, I believe that as well. So, you know, you weren't feeding that monster, you know, you, you were able to, you were a functioning, whatever, but then when you just kind of sit around and just like pour alcohol on top of it, well, of course it's going to grow and sprout. And then you're then you have this like thing going, if we're going to use a, the, the monster metaphor, metaphor there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that people have turned to drugs and alcohol, um, as a bandaid, which that's what they are. Even, even an addict, it's a bandaid. Um, it's a coping mechanism. So yeah, I think that's another piece of the puzzle we're all going to be dealing with for years to come of, um, people that were, um, not yet, uh, and the height of their addiction or the beginning of their addiction. And this sort of jump started it for them. How do we change that narrative surrounding mental illness and addiction? Because it's not, in my opinion, it's not a way you want to live. Meaning? Meaning there's a stigma in people going and getting help. Yep. I think people's uh, things they've been pushing down for years before yep. they're coming out because of this stress mm -hmm. it would have come out you mm -hmm. know before but i think they were able to keep busy so how do we change the narrative surrounding that in being able to go get some help and that mm. yeah and, and in my opinion that you know we shouldn't want to live addicted to something oh, got or got with got a got mental got illness yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean it, it, the only way we're going to normalize help seeking behaviors and normalize mental illness is by making it normal. And we're not doing that. I mean, when I when there have been so many times when I've been speaking to people and afterwards, somebody will say something like, I just think it's so brave that you're willing to share about your struggles. And that is a very common thing that someone would say to somebody with mental illness. But think of it from my perspective, or just it, it, it's making it something other than what it is. When someone says, you know, you know, I, I have diabetes. They're not like, that is so brave of you to share. Or, you know, um, sort of in the middle of the pandemic, my mom was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. She's and she's doing fine now. She just finished um, chemo and radiation. But no one said to her, that is so brave of you to share. No, people switch into like, how can I help you? Or like, if, you know, if, if someone does, you know, is diagnosed with cancer, no one's like, well, you know, I, 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 it made no sense to me because he's got a two car garage. He's got a good job. He's got a good wife. Like how in the world could he have cancer? Like we, we treat these things differently and mental illness is a disease. So as, and it's an, not a disease, it's an illness. So as long as, until we can start just making it normal, we're, we're never gonna be able to normalize it. And that only comes by people being willing to talk about it. Not brave, willing. willing. Um, just to be able to say, yeah, I, I have clinical depression. What you got? You know, like kind of that's kind of that simple. I also think that um, I have really learned over the past year that we treat 
suicide, like this, um, like scary thing to live in the closet that we should never talk about. Well, that's why people don't want to talk about it because they know that as soon as they do, there's this thing attached to them. Like, so, so part of what I do is I want to make talking about suicide prevention as the same as, Hey, what color are your socks? Like literally we need to make it so easy for people to understand that it's not this like, okay, we're going to go to this training and there's going to be this workshop. Let's have a conversation. Let's just have a conversation because people are hurting and we need to be able to know how to show up for each other. I was talking with somebody a few weeks ago and they said, they were telling me about when you, when you tell somebody something like that, you're kind of dropping a bomb on them. Uh, so how does somebody who's been told, you know, I'm feeling suicidal, I'm this, I'm that, what's the best way for them to respond and what's the best thing for them to, to get going in their head so that they don't further stigmatize who is actually asking for some help. Yeah. Uh, well, number one, I think just listen. Um, if, if, if you have been chosen as the person that someone wants to open up to, that is a gift and you need to see it as that way because there is so much stigma that if you have, if you are the person that they have convinced themselves, okay, Sheila or Tom, they're not going to look at me shamefully. They're not going to look at me like I'm like I got three heads. If you have become that person, think about what an, what, a, what an incredible honor it is that they don't feel like you see them in that way. That's huge. So start there, start in the gift that it is. And also thinking just seeing it in that way, it just, it just feels a little different inside. Uh, but then just listen, um, people that are hurting don't need your opinion. They don't need your advice. They don't need it to become about you. They like what well, I'm and, and empathy is a thing. I'm all for empathy. And like, so I, I have not, you know, knock on wood. Um, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't contract, uh, COVID in the beginning. So I could never say to someone, I know, I know what you're going through. That's just a lie. So, and also just saying, oh, I just can't imagine what that's like for you. Okay. That's not helpful either. Mm -hmm. So all these, all these things that we think are helpful, just listen, say things like I'm here now. How can I help? I'm here. Can I listen? You know, what can we do? Like say things like that. Um, and then if, if, if the person feels like that they need to get some help, then be with them. I mean, I use the analogy all the time that if someone were to fall down in front of us in a store and break their leg, we wouldn't be like, well, good luck. Hope it works out for you. That's not the way the world works. But on the other, on the mental health side of the coin, it is. So we, we again, the only way we're going to normalize this is by making it normal. Yeah, because I'm terrible at empathy. I'm good at keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, because I... That's what I worry about is, you know, just being terrible at empathy. I had a friend whose husband just died and I'm really terrible at empathy. And so I said the polite things and we haven't talked on the phone yet. And I'm terrified for the first time we talk on the phone. So I am terrible at empathy. Yeah, I mean, it's just listening. People just need to feel heard. I mean, there's um, people just need to feel heard. And so just letting and and, and also not feeling like you have to fill silence. Like as a speaker, I love me some silence because I ask a question, no one answer, and I'll be like, and they're like, oh, he's going to sit there. Yes, I'm going to sit <laughs> to answer this question. So like, I I'm fine with it, but most humans are not okay with silence. So it's also about learning to be okay with silence and just saying, I'm here, just, just sitting. Other than listening, should we be doing anything 
proactive? Yeah, I mean, so, well, I mean, it depends on the situation. You know, okay. if, yeah. if, if someone is experiencing suicidal ideation, uh, it's, so I consider suicide to be almost like a spectrum. Um, most of the time, the research shows that we don't go from, I'm considering this to an act in minutes. It is usually a, a process, um, you know, sometimes a day, sometimes an hour, sometimes weeks. So it kind of depends on where they are in that system uh, or in that, in that spectrum. If, if they have a plan and they have been seriously considering this, then we just need to get professional help. Um, if, if it is a situation where you and they both feel like that, that actually just saying it out loud has um, taken away some of the, 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 the fear and the urgency, and then agreeing to, we're going to call a therapist tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Or I'm going to go, I'm going to come pick you up and go. Because also having a plan for life also is one of the, um, the techniques that you can use when working with someone who is, um, has suicidal ideation. Um, because having a plan and having a commitment that like, I'm going to be on my front porch at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, that's also a way that you can help um, someone who is in that space. But if you're, if you're not trained and you don't have the, the background in, in helping someone through that space, then the best thing you can do is get professional help. And this is, this is really prevalent in society because though we don't talk about it, what are, what are some of the statistics in that, um, in all of it, in the mental health, in the addiction and in suicide? Yep. So in the next 24 hours, another 140 people are going to die by suicide in America, 140 people. And of those over 75% will have struggled with addiction and depression. Those are huge numbers. And these numbers, this statistic was before the pandemic. So on our college campuses, places that in your head, because you know, we've all been told college is the best time of your life. Okay. If college is the best time of your life, Suicide is the second leading cause of death on our college campuses. So these people who supposedly are living in the time of their life still hurt so bad that they end up dying by suicide. So it is a major problem. It is a major, major crisis and one that we don't talk about because it is uncomfortable to talk about suicide. Well, I don't care. It's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. Because even if there was only one person dying by suicide in the next 24 hours, that'd be enough. But it's 140, 140. Like that's a lot. That's a lot of people in 24 hour period. Um, so it is, a, it is a major problem and one that we need to be talking about a lot more. And it's 140 people around the U.S. So chances are we've seen someone, we know someone. What are the things we might pick up on and how do we or should we talk about it to maybe somebody we think that's where they're going. Sure. So I've stopped trying to um, get people to memorize signs and symptoms because I realized it was just too much. And so now I just explain it like this, that if there is a person that's in your life that is close to you, um, you know how that person shows up emotionally six days out of the week. You do. Um, If they're, if they're a, a colleague, a close colleague, a close friend, um, someone in an organization, somebody you work with. Now, I understand we don't see people every day anymore, but you're still in contact with people. So you know how they show up. So, and I give everybody a day off. I mean, even the Lord rested on the seventh day. So like everybody gets a day off. Um, but like six days out of the week, you know how they show up emotionally. Well, 
when they come in one day and it's off, that's their one day. When they come in day two and it's still off, you're, you're like, huh, something's going on. By day three, we need to be having a conversation. Don't wait for it to get six days in. And it can be as simple. I mean, it, 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 we, we make these things out to be so hard, but it can be like, hey, Archie, so you've just seemed a little off the past couple of days. Is everything okay? Um, can I, can I help? Can I help in any way? Can I listen? Like it can be that simple. And you know, they're going to be either be like, oh, everything's fine. Or like, yeah, things are, you got, we got some stuff going on at home, but like everything will be fine. Um, it, those things are okay-ish when it gets to the, like, no, everything's good. And you're like, huh. And so what I do, I give it another day and I say, Hey, Hey, Archie. Um, Hey, listen, uh, I know you said everything is okay, but like, it just doesn't seem that way. So you seem very different and, and I want to help. And, and so by this point, one or two things are going to happen. Either they're going to be like, dude, I'm fine. Or they're going to be like, oh yeah, there's some stuff going on. I just don't want to talk about it. Okay. Again, if we acknowledge that's a step in the right direction, if we're still denying, then I would say, okay, I hear the words you're saying. I don't believe you. So I'm going to keep asking because I care about you. And I want you to know that I'm here regardless. That usually elicits a response of like, dude, back off. Or, okay, either way, I'm still going to be there and I'm still going to show up. So I think, I think also just like we don't talk about suicide enough or suicide prevention, we also don't talk about like how you should show up effectively. And what I just explained is very easy. Yeah. There was nothing scary about anything I said but we just don't teach that. I think for some people, they might feel it's a little too confrontational. What do you have to say to that? I can hear, I can hear yeah, people sure. I know thinking it's too confrontational. Yeah, sure. Um, so my honest answer is I don't really care um, because if we're talking about somebody's life, I really could care less. So roll up those sleeves and get to it because are you going to think it's confrontational if something tragic happens? Now, now, listen, let me also stop and say here, you can't make someone else take their own. Like, that's not the way this works. People ask me all the time. Well, if I ask them, is it going to trigger the event? That's not the way that it works. That's the way it works. So by you asking conversation and showing someone that you care about them, you're worried that that's going to make them take some act because you care about them. Okay. We say those things to ourselves because it gives us an excuse not to do it. So stop with the BS. When you notice that someone is off emotionally, ask the question. Yeah, and that's, that's just so true. So we're, we're having this conversation. What have I missed? What is there something in talking about mental illness, addiction, or suicide that somebody who's listening may want to know or I should have asked? Didn't know. Oh, no. I mean, you've asked a lot of great things. Um, so one thing that I think can be very easy for you all out there listening, <clears throat> I believe with all my being that we need to change the way that we greet and interact with each other because we are teaching, we are teaching our children. We are teaching each other's each other, sorry, to lie about how we feel. When you say to someone, Hey, how you doing today? Hey, what's up? Hey, what's going on? We have these can, hey, I'm fine. I'm good. Hey, I mean, guys, especially. Hey, man, what's up? What's how are you doing? Good, good, good. I mean, like this like verbal diarrhea that we do that means nothing. So when when you 
when a human being is asked, hey, what's up? How you doing? 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 And they say, fine, 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 fine. We are teaching them, number one, don't talk about your feelings. But more importantly, I don't care. Because if I say, how are you today? Now that you know, now that you know this, you're saying, I don't really care. Like, I'm just being polite. It is a polite thing we've all taught ourselves in, this, in, in society. And so I believe that if we start saying, hey, how are you feeling today? Yeah. That we can begin to save lives. Because why would we ever think that someone who is really hurting and in emotional or suicidal distress, why would they choose that moment to start talking about their feelings? That doesn't even make good sense. Like they've never talked about their feelings before and mysteriously at one of the hardest, toughest times of their life where they feel the most alone, they're going to choose that moment to ask for help. Okay, y'all, that makes no sense. So if we start giving people permission, not just permission, but if we start making it an expectation in our families, in our friend groups, in our, in our places of work to talk about how we feel then and only maybe then when that person is in that space, they will have had enough practice and you will have built a relationship of trust for them to say, I'm hurting, I need help. So changing the way we greet each other and interact with each other on a daily basis, I believe is pivotal in beginning to help save lives. Yeah. And I think being honest with people so they know that we they can be honest with us is so important. Yeah. We've talked about how you've come to this and, and what you're doing, you know, what are you going for in your future? Huh? Global feeling domination. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, well, um, so I have a podcast launching next month. Um, it's called what a feeling, and it's going to be all about feelings and mental health and self-care. So I'm, I'm really excited about right that. Uh, and just continuing to grow. Um, and when I say grow my business, yes, of course I want to support my family. Yeah. But I want to be able to be seen and exposed and get exposure to larger platforms yeah. so that I can help save more lives. Yeah. Um, yes. Do we have to pay the bills? Yes. Yes. But I also want to really help people. Mm-hmm. And um, I have really, you know, in the, in the past couple of months, leaned in to how good I really am. And, and now I'm okay saying that out loud. Like, I'm really excellent at what I do. And, and I think it's because I was a performer. So I just have like stage presence for days. And I think I just make people feel comfortable talking about really tough topics. And I know that that's a gift. And so I want to use that gift in, in much bigger ways. It, it definitely, it is a gift and I'm glad you're using that. And, uh, and it's okay to, I might cut the part of this part out, but it's okay for you to do really good work and make good money too. Yeah. You know, I think that's kind of a, one of the last stigmas of yeah. they both go together and yeah. yeah. No, I, no, I was just doing a media interview the other day and they were asking me like what I had learned, um, you know, being a, a solopreneur in the mental health space. And, and honestly, one of the major takeaways is that you can be a helper mm-hmm. and still make money. You can be a helper and still be able to take your family on vacation. Yeah. And that, that was something that I thought was not okay. I thought, well, you know, I'm trying to help people. You know, if they don't have any money, I'll just do it. Well, where else in the world does that happen? Like, you know, 
it's it, it it is a business and it's it is tough it is tough when you know people reach out and I, especially in the virtual space i really try to work with clients where they say what's your rate and i'll tell them they're like e we don't have that budget and i'm like okay well what do you have um especially in the virtual space now when we get back to like traveling again listen i'm not going to get on an airplane for anything less than my normal rate yeah but yeah but, but in the virtual space I really try to work with people, but you're right. And, and I, you know, I hope you don't cut it out. I hope this stays because I think that people need to understand that just like people that do graphic design, they're like, Oh, well, can you draw me something? And they're like, this is my career. This is what I do. So for, you know, we would never look at a surgeon and be like, Hey, can you spot me this surgery? <laughs> like that's not the way this works. So, yeah. And that's very true. I mean, with artists, people expect them to do it for free because yeah. they love it. And you're very right. And that, you know, surgeons have no, they, you know, they use, they want you pre-authorized yeah. <laughs> up front yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Well, I mean, that's exciting that you're able to do that and you will be getting out and traveling and speaking and, and sharing your message. Cause I think it's incredibly important. And of course, I'm going to have your website on my website in the notes so that people can find you, but what is your website where people would find you? Sure. It's uh, really simple. It's just Archie cares. So I decided when I started a business, the name of the business is going to mean what I believe. So I do care. So Archie cares, plural. Um, so the best place to find me is either there or I'm also really active on Instagram, which is Archie underscore cares. Um, I do daily mental health and self-care tips. And there's some really cute pictures of our kid um, because my when your name is your brand, it's just all one thing. So I'm not trying to separate out my personal and my business life. It just is what it is. Well, yeah, because that is the whole thing. Your life, you know, yep. is your mental health. And then you know, one last thing about suicide, should somebody think that, you know, they don't have anybody uh, to reach out to, there are prevention hotlines. Yep, yep. And now you can actually text the suicide prevention hotline. So yeah, make sure to put that in your show notes as well, because they, I, they added a yeah. texting feature, um, I which I think is genius. I did not know that. That is awesome. Yep, I knew yep, they yep. did it for military. Um, okay. I, they did do it for the military. I didn't know they're doing it for civilians now. I'll put both of those in because that's important to know because sometimes you feel like you don't have anybody or you're dealing with that stigma yourself. So those will go that way. And uh, any last words for us? Uh, something you said there at, the, at the end, just don't forget people that the worst things in life often happen in your head. So when you've spun yourself to a place of extreme despair mm -hmm. before you get to that place, maybe stop and think about are the conversations you're playing out in your head? Did they really happen? Did the events really happen? Or are you just negative projecting? I mean, I, I am one of the world's worst at this. Um, my husband will sometimes say, okay, did it really happen? Or did the voices in your head say it? I'm like, eh, okay, voices in my head. Um, but I mean, it's, it's true. So uh, yeah. So just don't forget that. Yes. Life is tough life is hard. I can't find enough words to say how bad, you know, some of the months have been recently, but like, yeah. don't let yourself spin into a place of despair because of things you're making up in your head. So don't forget that. Yeah. You don't know what good thing is just right around the corner. Yeah. yeah. And that's, uh, that's all, you know, when, when things have gotten tough for me, that's what I've always kind of kept in the back of my mind. Well, good luck to you in the future. And thank you so much for being my guest today. Thanks so much for having me. Had a great time. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The We as Citizens podcast, because conversation matters.